Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. You know, as an entrepreneur, we wear lots of hats. We're in sales, marketing, bookkeeping, strategy, coaching, training, psychology, and that's without even putting too much thought into our roles. We also need to get our message out to the masses in whatever market we're trying to work in. So whether you write or take pictures or record, the bottom line is you have to do something that people will ask for more. And that includes creating great content and how we're going to bring it to our communities. Now, I can remember writing in my journal growing up, except we called it a diary. Your best kept secrets are written there and you hid it under your pillow. After all, who would look there to read what you wrote? But sometimes in the most inopportune moments, your brother or sister would announce something that you shared in your diary. And the only way they would have known it was to snoop under your pillow. Was it worth sharing? Was it valuable? Well, it depends on what it was and who was named. Well, decades later, I started writing articles for a company that I was working with. I had forgotten how much I loved to write, and I realized that I did have something to say that others found valuable. It was in the company monthly magazine, and I was the sales guru. I shared statistics, information, and of course, a story to wrap it up. I received so many comments and emails, and people always wanted to know what next month's topic would be. Now, when I jumped ship and started my company, I was encouraged by my business coach to write a book. That was never on my radar, and I fought it for a while, but then I thought, I love to write. I had something to say. I knew who my market was, and I had to find a way to take 30 years of stuff and get it out in an organized fashion. My first book, Selling in a Skirt, was the result of that. Now, while content is king or queen in this case, the way we get it out and the way it is shared has definitely changed. 
and it keeps changing on a daily basis. We had books and then ebooks and audiobooks and slide share and videos and live videos in the moment, apps that can do anything and everything, and of course, speaking in person. The one underlying theme that has not changed is bringing your readers, your attendees, your listeners valuable content. And I've always said, when I stop bringing value, I will stop. So what is valuable content and how do we create it? So let's start what does valuable content need to be? It needs to be findable. Can the user find your content? With all the emails and the links and the platforms and so on, we find ourselves part of, unless the content is sent directly to us, we need to find it. So it makes sure you tag someone or use keywords and other ways of searching for this valuable information. It has to be readable. Can the user read the content? If they find the content, will they even read it? Most of us scan until we find a word or a phrase that we're interested in. And if you're writing, make sure the paragraphs are short, most important facts at the top, and numbers or bullets in your information. Then it has to be understandable. Can the user understand what you're saying? Are you using language that isn't too advanced to get to the point? This is not the time to show your brilliance. Make it easy for your users to get it and even consider adding an image or an infographic. We all learn in different ways, so make sure you use as many as you can. It also has to be actionable. Will the user want to take action? The easiest way to achieve this is to have a call to action button, such as buy now or add to your cart or something like that. Have a place where comments can be made and where you will respond to them. You want them to do something. Just be clear about what it is. And it has to be shareable. Will they share the content? Give them a reason to share. Will it help someone they love to stay healthy? Can it offer suggestions to a question that many people have expressed? Are you giving them a swipe file so they can simply copy and paste? Don't make it difficult because people will only do what's easy. Okay, now what type of contents get shared? There's so much out there, so how do you decide how you're going to compete? Here are some ideas whether you're just starting or already an expert. You know those how-to posts that introduce a problem, offer a solution, and then discuss each step to reach the desired results? Those are really popular. There's also the list, if you're a list person, that focuses on a particular topic and offers a number of points about the topic and then provides a conclusion. You also have the what posts that provide further information on a specific topic while comparing them with other articles. And then, of course, you have videos that provide visuals of the topic discussed within the article, and most of us are visual learners. So what does this all mean? It's all about timing and consistency. Not everyone reads everything at the same time, and if you don't share content often, you may just be one of those best-kept secrets. So let me finish up my story. When I began my company, as I said, I love to write and create. I had products and articles and books and talks, and you name it, I had it. My coach asked me to identify where my revenue was coming from, what revenue I was talking about, well, what my marketing efforts were, and as well as what products and services were. I was just starting out. Well, it seemed fairly easy until he plotted it on a graph. Remember, I may hear and listen, but I am a visual person. Now on this graph, there were two columns that were about an inch high and one that was about six inches high. Do you wanna guess which one was totally out of whack? That's right, creating and writing. I had so much information that even today when I'm searching for something, I come across a workbook or a product that I forgot I created. My coach told me to just stop going vertical and start adding to my horizontal line. In other words, content is great when you have the eyes to see it. So it's time to create content that reaches your audience's audience. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thoughts about writing books and how much she loves helping others to do the same. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we'll be right back. 
What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the glass floor, seven essential qualities for women who lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Time for my special guest, Suzanne Doyle Ingram. Suzanne owned a successful direct marketing company, but the downturn in the economy in 2009 had devastating consequences for her business. She felt like a failure, but with a young family to support, she knew she had to look for new ways to generate income. With a degree in linguistics, but very little confidence, she started writing books and publishing them online. To her surprise, her books became bestsellers, and people started asking her for advice on how to write books. She realized that she can combine her passion for helping others with her background in strategic publishing, and she launched Prominence Publishing. Since then, she has coached more than 700 clients through the writing process and helped them become published authors. So welcome to the show, Suzanne. I am super excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So let's start with the discussion of the day, putting your ideas into words. What do mm. you think when you hear that? When I hear that, it makes me worry <laughs> because I think putting your ideas into words is a great idea, but you have to be organized about it. You have to have a plan and know where you want to go in order to do it strategically. Okay. If someone was just getting started writing, is being organized the best way for them to start or is there something before that? I think it's really important to know what you want. I always, when I start working with someone, we do a lot of work before they start writing in terms of what do you want your book to do for you? Why are you writing a book? Who are you writing your book for? And I think it's very important for people to get clear on that. Okay. So as I said, my first business coach told me I was going to write a book and I had not ever thought about writing a book. In fact, it was never on my radar. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about being a best-selling author. I didn't care about any of that. I didn't want to write a book. And she actually was, I don't want to say forcing, but mm -hmm. encouraging me. And mm -hmm. I'm using air quotes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one day during our uh, session, she said to me, what I want you to do for our next session is let's talk about the book. I said, I don't want to write a book. She said, okay, don't write a book. How about if you just plot out what chapters could be if you decided to write the book? Mm -hmm. So I thought, Mm, never said yes, never said no. I just, hmm. And on our next session, at the end, she said, why don't you just read them to me? And I said, read what? And she said, you know, the chapters, but you didn't do it, did you? And I said, no. And she said, okay. Now, this was a lesson that really gave me the V8 moment. Mm -hmm. She said, and I live in Dallas, and she wanted to know if I knew the busiest street in Dallas. And she told me to drive there. When I got there, she said, roll down your window, throw your wallet out, 
roll up your window and drive home. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. Why would I do that? <laughs> and she said, because that's what you do to me every week. Wow. And Yes. And so what I first felt was I was disrespecting someone, which I would never do. And mm-hmm. it really caught me off guard. But what it, what it also did was made me sit down to do exactly what you're saying. Think about it. What about, what, do you, what would you want this book to do? Who do you want this book for? Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then I wrote the book. Mm, that's great. So pretend I'm your first person and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Would you tell me to do it anyway? I would ask you a little bit more of a different angle. I would say, who do you serve in your business? What do you love about working with those people? So if it's a real estate agent, I might say, what do you love about working with first-time homebuyers? If it's a chiropractor, I would say, tell me what you love about working with your patients. Because then they really start to see the difference that they're making. And that they, they may not know about everything else. Like I always say to people, I know a lot about books, but I don't know anything about Instagram and Pinterest and things like that. But everybody has a passion for what they do. And if they can share that with others, and when they can see that by not sharing their gift with others, they're doing a disservice, then mm. then they get a little more excited about writing a book. Like I say to people, to the world, you might just be one person, but to one person, you might be the world. There, there might be somebody <laughs> out there right now praying for what you find so easy to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. Do you think everyone has a book inside them? Yes, I do. I, I think that people can use books in different ways. You know, most people I work with are business people who use a book as a marketing tool. But I think that everybody is extraordinary. I, I talk to people everywhere I go, and I'm always amazed at who I meet. And I was just on a on a chairlift skiing on the weekend, and and just opened my mouth and started talking to the people on the chairlift, and found out the other lady and I had gone to school in a totally different part of the world. <laughs> We've gone to the same school together, same time, you know. And I just think. People are extraordinary. And, and, and really, that's part of what I do, too, is encouraging people that they matter and their story matters. Okay, so you've written 15 books and you help coaches and you train business professionals on how to write and publish a book and how to use that book as leverage to increase their visibility. Mm-hmm. So talk about what that process looks like. Okay, well, the first thing I want to say about that is that I may be a bit of a unique publisher because I don't concentrate on book sales, which is really funny. Um, because I think what happens sometimes with authors is they get a book out there and then they think, how am I going to sell books? How am I going to sell books? And they start saying things Mm -hmm. like, can you do me a favor? Could you please buy my book? And I call that the pity sale. And we don't want that. We don't want the pity sale. Right. It's better to, instead of trying to sell books, use your book to sell you. So use your book as leverage to get booked and speaking engagements, to get interviewed on podcasts, to get your name out there in other ways, like you were talking about all the content you're writing before, right? Mm. If you mm-hmm. if you can do that in your bio, it says published author, and that links to your book on Amazon, people find that to be very credible. And they don't really realize how easy it is to get a book on Amazon nowadays. And they go, oh my goodness, Judy's book is on Amazon. And they get all excited. <laughs> so I think that using it for credibility and opening doors is 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 quite something nowadays, because you'll have you'll have a bit of a a bit of an advantage over people who don't have books. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think sometimes when somebody sees that you have a book, all of a sudden the credibility goes through the roof and really for no reason other than you writing a book, which I, I think know. is pretty awesome. Actually, I know I'm the same. It's so funny. It just still cracks me up when I'm, I was at a cocktail party once and somebody across the room said, Oh, Hey, you're Suzanne Doyle Ingram. I read your book. And I turned and everybody looked and the, what came out of my mouth was really embarrassing. Cause I said, 
which one? And then I was like, oh, no, I sound like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my, I was embarrassed. I didn't, really, oh, I didn't mean it that way. But, you know, I didn't know which one they were talking about. But yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I always say, you know, I joke around with my, I have three kids and I say, I can't believe I have to empty the dishwasher and I am a best-selling author. <laughs> oh, right. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, they just roll their eyes. Oh, mom, get in the car. Yeah, really. I need to yeah, ride. really. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Talk to us about Prominence Publishing. How did it all begin? Oh, that's a funny story. I didn't want to start it, actually. I, uh, I had my marketing company, which completely bombed when the, when the economy crashed. And I was really frustrated and worried about money. And, and um, so I started writing books. And see, what happened was because I knew about marketing, when Amazon allowed people to self-publish, when I put my book on Amazon, I did a little bit of SEO, like search engine optimization, mm-hmm. keywords, mm-hmm. categories, and everything. And I propelled it all the way to that number one bestseller. And it was just a gluten-free recipe book. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I chose that topic because it was trending. And so a lot of people bought that book. So that year I wrote seven more, oh, sorry, six more books, a total of seven in that year from around 10 o'clock at night till midnight. I was exhausted, but I had to support my family and I was starting to get some good checks. Then I realized, wow, it's exhausting trying to keep your book high up there on the bestseller list to get more eyeballs on it. And And at the same time, somebody said to me, I heard it was impossible to get a book on Amazon. And I said, what are you talking about? The simplest thing ever. And they said, well, you show me. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll put on a little class in my, in my church. I rented the church hall for $25. I sold tickets for $100 and 20 people bought them. And I went, oh, I just made $2,000. That's a lot mm-hmm. of money when you're struggling. Mm-hmm. So then I put my cor- that same course that I did that in one day, I put it online. And I've been teaching online ever since for 10 years now. But what happened was in the course, I would say, here's how you get your book on Amazon. Watch this video and then do this, this, and this. Click here, click here, click here. And people would still come to me and say, I don't want to do it. Thank you for teaching me, but I don't want to do it. Could you please do it for me? And so that's why I started Prominence Publishing is just to help my, my own clients just to upload their books to Amazon, which I find very simple to do. But for most people, because I've done it hundreds of times, I just know where right. to click, you know, click, click, click. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think the biggest mistake that a new author makes other than thinking they're going to make millions of dollars on a book? Oh, you know, this sounds kind of rude, but the, the biggest mistake they can make is to write the book all about them. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I know it sounds Didn't so... Didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, but you know, like me, 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 I'm great. You really have to have the reader in mind. I always say to my clients, first of all, we do some work so they know who their reader is. They name that, you know, some people call it an avatar. So when they sit down to write, they are thinking that Judy's sitting right in front of them and they're talking to Judy. Because what happens when you write like that is anyone who reads your book feels like you're talking right to them. Yes. So I think, yeah, that's, that's, it's really important to think what's in it for the reader. When you think about it nowadays, people are very, very busy. You're actually... I know everyone thinks their book is a gift to the world, and it is, but your reader is going to give up five or 10 or 20 hours of their time to read your book. There better be something in it for them. Like you were talking about earlier, the value has to be there for the reader. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I've written three books and one anthology book, and you talk about anthology books, and it is a different experience than writing a, a, you know, a book all by yourself, or even, you know, even if you had a ghostwriter, but it's still a different animal. Yeah. Tell me what, you know, what do you think about anthology books? Is it easier because it's less that you have to write, but it's a whole different dynamic? Yeah, I, I love them. I'm doing a lot of them this year. 
for listeners, an anthology book also sometimes is called a compilation or a multi-author book. So it's like 10 or 15 or 20 authors each write one chapter in a book. What I love about it is that sometimes it gives the the co-author the courage. They just dip their toe in the water. They only have to do eight to 10 to 12 pages, depending on who's publishing the book. And then they go, oh my gosh, I did it. And they have that camaraderie feeling of the feeling of belonging to this group who all did this work to publish a book. And the, the, I do a lot for women entrepreneurs and stories of overcoming adversity. And I mean, I've done them for mortgage brokers and chiropractors too, but I just love them because many, many times people go on to write their own book because they realize, you know what? I have more I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I love giving people the courage and the encouragement to go that one step further and write their own book. I 1000% agree. But I will tell you, when you write a book with 25 other women, the next book you should be writing is you really know someone when you write a book with them. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Because you know what? I'm the cat wrangler. I'm the one that gets all the people organized. Yes, that's what I was. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Mm. But you know what? I have have a really good editor. So it's it's better for me now because I used to do all the editing too years Mm -hmm. ago. And now I help. What I do when I start a project like that is I do a webinar and I teach them how to write their chapter. I teach them what's expected of them, what they can expect of me. I mean, I'm very, I'm over the very years, clear. yeah, over the years, <laughs> I've gotten better at that at boundaries, right? So don't email me 16 times a day. Here's, here's what you're going to do, you know, that sort of thing. And it makes it a lot easier now. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, mm-hmm. If I was, if I were to do it again, I would have someone else do it. Yeah, that's, yeah. So here's a question for you. Years ago, the only way to be a published author was to go with the big publishing houses. Unfortunately, I can only imagine what it felt it would feel like to be rejected time after time, and it would have to put a dent in your confidence. And so many people would stop there. Now, many authors are self-published because of the acceptance and because of the freedom to do what they want to do. There's also boutique publishing houses that are more like a hybrid. So as an expert, what do you recommend for you know, new authors or existing authors? Do you say we should come to a you know, a, a boutique publishing house. And the reason I say boutique, I'm, not, I'm talking about not the gigantic, the big boys. So what do you think? Do you think that self-publishing is, hybrid is, what is it? Because it's, it's very confusing to a lot of people. Oh, that's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. So yes, I, I have to say that many people are still really hung up on the idea of getting traditionally published. And so the thing with that is, first of all, it takes years and years and years sometimes also, they won't even look at you unless you have a really big following on Facebook. And I don't mean 210 friends. I mean a million followers on, on, on Facebook, Instagram. You have to be seen as, quote unquote, an influencer, right? I really and truly, it's very difficult to get picked up by a traditional publisher. Secondly, some of my clients that have come to me are people who already were traditionally published. And they said, I'm never doing that again. People are actually <laughs> leaving that route because they have no control and they make no money. The hybrid publishers are great too, because they can help someone. Basically, they take their manuscript off their hands, they edit it, they do the interior layout, the cover design, they upload it to Amazon, etc. But the one thing I really want your listeners to understand is that they have to shop around. They have to look at the price that it's going to cost for those hybrid publishers. There's some up there that charge $65,000. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. You've got to look at your ROI. How do you plan to make that money back? Some people don't, they don't care. They're like, I'm just doing this as a legacy for my children. It's going to cost me $5,000 and I'm fine with it. And that's okay for me personally, because I'm a business person. I want to know how they're going to make that money back. But the third 
and most important thing is really ask a lot of questions about your rights and the royalties. So that I am considered, you know, one of those hybrid publishers because I put the book on Amazon for them, but I let them retain 100% rights to their book. I also let them get all the royalties from Amazon because I create the account in their name, even though it looks like Prominence Publishing is publishing it for them, for the author. Because I think after all that work, it just bothers me that they don't get the royalties. I just, it's, a, it's just terrible. And then sometimes when people are really on a budget, the problem is that they have to understand you've got to spend some money. You have to have thorough editing, which costs money. And you have to have a professional cover designer and typesetter because when people do it themselves, unfortunately, if they're not experienced at it, A, it'll drive them crazy. They're going to want to pull their hair out and throw the computer out the window. But B, it's not going to look professional. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, oh, good enough is good enough. You know, and I get that, but you still want to put your best foot forward and you want to look professional because people will judge you on it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I do believe that you do have to shop around with just about everything. And most people just take whatever comes up first because it's just easier. And yeah, you know what's amazing about it is some of these publishing companies have very, very slick salespeople. So the author, it's literally like, I don't know, mind boggling to me how they feel like, oh, I've been chosen by them. Now I'm going to write them a check <laughs> for $17,000. I'm like, what? Yes. No, 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 no. Yeah. Be cautious yeah. of that. Yeah. And some of them what are about- just, oh, sorry, I just have to say one more thing. Some of them yeah. are just printing companies. Do not ever get a thousand copies of your book printed. You don't need that. Yes. Nowadays with print on demand, you can order a hundred copies of your book. You can order 12 copies of your book. Yes. And yes. don't have a garage full of a thousand books because it'll really make you feel bad. Yeah. That's actually what I was going to ask you. So the next part of that was going to be, what about bulk sales? Because I know a lot of people that are authors today are looking to do bulk sales into companies. and offering something free to go with that. So for instance, if I was going to come to your company, I would say, Suzanne, here's, you know, you would buy, let's say, 100 books, 200 books, 300 books, whatever. And I'll come in and do a free talk about it, or I'll do a free webinar. Mm -hmm. Is that considered backwards? Or is that a good idea? Or what? I would never say that's backwards. It depends on what your goals are. So at the very beginning of working with someone, I say, what do you want the book to do for you? What do you want more of? So a lot of times, yes, if they say, I want speaking engagements, we look at, okay, paid or free. If they're free, can you give an offer at the end? And can you sell your book from the back of the room? Or, and also, can you arrange bulk sales? Exactly what you're talking about. So you might say to the person organizing the event, listen, I will speak for free, but I want you to buy 100 copies of my book. I'll let you have it for $12 each. Meanwhile, it only costs you $3 to print it. So you're still making money, but they think they're getting a deal because it retails for $20 for $19.95 or whatever, right? So that's a way of doing it. Bulk sales, depending on the topic of your book, you can do bulk sales into schools or lots of times schools don't have a lot of money, but corporations. I, I do think that it's just one way of making money with your book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's lots of other ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. So that's how we're going to tell our, our listeners how they can connect with you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue right there. <laughs> Well, I do have a free training on my website if they want to uh, connect with me and learn how to write a book. The training I'm giving away right now is called How to Write a Book in 30 Days, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's a, it's, it's, it's actually, let me give you the URL. If, they wanna, if, they, okay. if your listeners want to connect with me, my name is Suzanne Doyle Ingram. I'm the only one in the world and you will find me everywhere. <laughs> I've worked for years to get my name out there. On Facebook, you can find me 
at Suzanne Doylinger, but also the free course I was talking about is at prominencepublishing.com slash free. And one of the ways I, t- I teach a few different methods of writing a book, but you touched on something in your intro about articles that have like a how-to or a list. The lists mm-hmm. are, you can easily write a book doing a list like that, a list of, you know, 25 ways to increase your revenue next month or 25 ways to get your kid to fall asleep easier or whatever your topic is. You can write a whole book on that. It's, and I have a, a technique that I teach in my free training. Awesome. Well, I think everybody should go in and t- sign up for the training. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> Works for me. Okay. What do you want to leave our listeners with? What, what do you want to say to them? Especially, you know, there's a lot of women that are in leadership positions. And sometimes when I say leadership positions, I don't necessarily mean they have a huge team. Sometimes they're leading themselves. Yes. And leading yourself is probably equally as hard, if not harder. So what do you want to say to the women listening? Stop putting yourself last. Hmm. I work with so many women who find it very hard to prioritize writing their book because they're not used to thinking about themselves. We're always thinking about our kids, our coworkers, our family members, our neighbors, our community. We're just givers, 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 right? And so when you're writing a book, you have to make yourself a priority. You have to put the book writing time on your calendar. You have to say no to people. Like you have to practice saying, I'm sorry, I would love to be able to help you with that, Rebecca but I can't because I'm working on my book. And just uttering those words, I actually make my clients practice saying no to people. And that, so that actually carries on after they write the book. It's a lifelong thing they learn. So I think it's really important to think about yourself and what you want and what is the reason why you're writing a book, to write that down and put it right by your computer. And it's, it's just like having a baby. It's not forever. The book writing time is not forever. But when you're in it, you've got to prioritize for yourself because you matter. Absolutely. You matter. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And I think saying no is hard enough. But when you give them an example of why you're saying no, I think that's even better. Yes, exactly. Well, Suzanne, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. You've got such great information. You have great ideas and a thought process for writing the book, which is equally as exciting. So I'm excited that we're connected and I look forward to creating some adventures together. Thank you. Me too, Judy. Thank you. And I want to leave everyone with this quote from Jody Pakal. You may not write well every day, but you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. And make sure you stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.